This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. I'm Shayna Roth. And I'm Jake Neer. Infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. Sorry, Shayna, I just thought it might be like Beetlejuice and infrastructure <laughs> projects would just magically appear if I said it three times in a row. Uh, unfortunately, as we've all learned the hard way, it's really difficult to make these things happen in this political environment, even when there's wide bipartisan support for infrastructure improvements, generally speaking. But Congress has actually done its part. It recently approved President Joe Biden's $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure package. But that doesn't mean all of the hard parts of this process are over. Here to talk about what's in the package for Michigan specifically and what happens now is Zach Gorchow, publisher and executive editor of Gong War Michigan and, I might add, friend of the show. Zach, welcome back to Mishmash. Hey, great to be here. So, uh, Zach, as Gongwer recently reported, Michigan will get $10 billion through this package for traditional infrastructure projects. Thinking about all those days and long nights that we've spent sitting in legislative sessions waiting as lawmakers fought tooth and nail trying to pass just a measly $1 billion to fix roads and bridges, this seems really huge. Uh, How far could that kind of money go toward fixing infrastructure here in Michigan? I mean, it's definitely going to make a, a pretty good dent. And you're talking about uh, $7 billion in additional money for roads. Uh, that's, you know, roughly maybe a little more than what your annual entire Department of Michigan Department of Transportation budget is. So this is a really rare situation. Um, it's, it's definitely a big shot in the arm. But, it, you know, what it is not is something that is going to carry on in perpetuity, which is, of course, different than what a uh, fuel tax increase or something on that order uh, would do. So it's it's a one-time hit. Um, it also raises the question of where exactly the money will be spent. Uh, you know, most federal money goes to federal aid roads, so there will be some decisions to be made on what about local roads. Now, other than roads and bridges, underground water infrastructure is also a major issue in Michigan. You know, the, the the main points that everybody thinks about would be the Flint water crisis. Now we have Benton Harbor's lead contamination crisis. Uh, we also think about all the flooding we've seen this year. So how is this going to affect those specific issues? There's, you know, there's definitely money in this package for water infrastructure, um, but it is you know, if you think about the entire state and all the many lead lines that are out there and the cost of replacing them, plus, you know, sewerage issues separate from lead. Um, you, you mentioned the freeway flooding, which, you know, those are the pump stations. You know, this isn't going to just magically allow the state to fix everything. You know, this isn't about water infrastructure. But remember, the governor uh, used the Transportation Commission to do about three and a half billion dollars in bonds for state roads. And that's a lot of work. But it is just scratching the surface of the needs out there. There is just so the backlog of work is so deep. It would be like making no repairs to your house for 20 years. So there's also still billions of dollars that's left unspent from the last rounds of federal stimulus money that the Republican-led legislature just seems kind of unwilling to allocate. Um, Could we see something similar with this money where, you know, it comes to Michigan, but uh, that that process of the state legislature and also local governments 
saying this is what it's going to go toward and actually releasing that money, uh, could it get held up the same way that those dollars are being held up right now? I think the answer to that question is yes. Uh, you know, the Republicans who control the legislature are, you know, moving, you know, they might say very deliberately. Uh, Democrats in the Whitmer administration would say it's gone from moving slowly to not moving it at all. Um, you know, there there is a ton of money sitting out there to be appropriated. I mean, you've still got all of the American Rescue Plan funding, the discretionary funds given to the state. That's about $6 billion that's sitting out there. Uh, you've got approximately uh, 2 to $2.5 in surplus state revenues that are going to be uh, formally recognized to exist in January. Uh, that's sitting out there. And now you've got $10 billion in infrastructure money rolling in. Uh, the, the Republic, we've seen the Republicans propose ideas. They've put out ideas like for uh, water line replacement and so forth. Um, but uh, the money has not moved out the door yet. Zach, walk us through a little bit more about like what is going on there where you have all of these lawmakers, many of which are going to be up for reelection, uh, you know, coming up soon. And the governor is going to be up for reelection coming up soon. You would think that this would be something that everybody would want to be spending to be able to say, hey, look what we have accomplished. So I guess talk about what is going on and some of the political calculations going on. Well, from the governor's standpoint, the money can't be spent soon enough. You know, it's not just enough for her to announce this has been approved. The money is going to be spent. She needs to be able to point to some projects that are happening. You know, next year is an election year. The governor stands for reelection. And it's one thing to say, you know, hey, we have all we have spent all this record funding. We reached bipartisan agreement. And, you know, a lot of voters are going to say, you know, big darn deal if they can't actually see some evidence of it. So if let's just say hypothetically, this money doesn't really get pushed out the door until next summer, it's probably too late for the governor to reap any benefit with the voters on that. Um, and I, I don't know this, but I'm sure the Republicans are acutely aware that once they spend this money, the governor's going to start putting some wins on the board uh, with it. So um, is that what's delaying it? Well, it certainly wouldn't be the first time politics entered into the equation. Um, you know, that being said, you know, the Republicans are still formulating some of their ideas, to be fair to them. They just came up with an idea uh, yesterday, $250 million uh, to um, augment police salaries and to help with police hiring and training and support. So they're still, I think, figuring out something that is unnatural for Republicans, which is how do we spend a ton of money and a ton <laughs> of money quickly? This is not comfortable turf for them. Um, but they, they've been putting forth some ideas, and, and one would think if they're serious about them, by the end of the year, some of this money is going to get appropriated. And, of course, this is also Governor Whitmer's signature issue here in terms of infrastructure. Fix the damn roads, right? I mean, uh, this is something that it seems like could be even more tricky for her to convince lawmakers to go along with what she wants to do with the money, considering or even spend it all at all, considering that was her key campaign pledge. But Zach, I'm curious uh, to get really into the weeds politically here. I'm wondering if uh, is there any possible way to message 
from Whitmer's side of things, uh, why, uh, you know, some of these things might not be getting done considering, uh, you know, I mean, when I think about lawmakers going home and explaining con- to constituents why their roads are not fixed and why, uh, the you know, they're still experiencing potholes, things like that. Um, you know, does the does the does the governor get 100 percent of the blame, do you think, from voters on that since she made that such a big campaign promise? I mean, look, when you're the governor is, is the quarterback, so to speak, to borrow a sports metaphor, and they're going to get uh, more of the credit than they deserve and they get more of the blame they deserve. You know, both people uh, are not super in tune with who their state legislator is. Uh, generally, to the extent they are, uh, unless they are, you know, a hardcore partisan, they don't have really strong feelings about it. Um, and we should mention, you know, the geographic po- political polarization plays a role here. Mm-hmm. You know, most Republicans now are from rural areas outside of Macomb, Oakland, and Wayne counties. And in general, roads outside of the metropolitan Detroit area on balance are in better condition than those within the metro Detroit area. It's simply the way our road funding formula works, that it works a little bit better uh, for rural areas uh, than it does in uh, urban and suburban areas. So, um, you know, that the idea that they're going to be feeling the heat for not moving this money out the door um, is, you know, probably a reach. Now, that said, the gov- at some point, the governor is going to have to decide when she has to turn up the heat on them. Right now, I don't think she wants to because she needs the legislature to approve this money. And if she starts slamming on them for going on the hunting Thanksgiving break, as they always do this time of year, um, you know, it's it's not going to help her cause, uh, no matter how good it might feel uh, to do that. Um, but the reality is we're coming up. We have limited session days left in the year. And if something doesn't happen soon, we're going to be into, into January, mid-January. And again, you know, there's a I'm sure the governor and her people are looking at realistically, they have got to make sure um, this money can be put into projects in time for this construction season. If it gets to June and this money's not out the door, they've all but lost the construction season and won't reap any um, practical or political benefit from getting the money approved. Hmm. So former environmental reporter uh, hat on right for a minute. There is something in the package that hasn't really gotten a ton of attention. There's a billion dollars for the Great Lakes Restoration Project. Uh, talk to us about what that kind of money could mean for efforts to clean up and preserve the Great Lakes. Well, it's a huge, again, another huge shot in the arm. This is a program that typically would be appropriated annually about 250 to $400 million. It's sort of oscillated back and forth. So all of a sudden you have... Uh, that program getting, you know, two to three times what it usually would. And what does this program do? If, if you look at it, it really funds a lot of efforts to combat invasive species um, in and around uh, the Great Lakes watershed. Um, there's a lot of habitat restoration, a lot of water cleanup, um, just areas that make the, the, the watershed function better so that our lakes are cleaner and are in better shape. Um, so, you know, you just you're turbocharging that all of a sudden now a uh, billion dollars on top of the usual you know 250 to 400 million that is appropriated so um, you know these are kind of, these are very hyper local projects you know it, you, you're talking about a big number there a billion but if you look at the individual projects it's things that are eighty thousand dollars here 
$100,000 there, 50000 here. So these are very, very local things that, you know, someone goes uh, over to their, you know, local uh, inlet near the Great Lakes, they're going to see, oh, wow, they knocked out all of that invasive um, buckthorn that was growing around, you know, where we had the dock here, and it's gone. It looks a lot better, that kind of stuff. So, Zach, I'm curious, uh, before we move on, what are some other provisions in the trillion-dollar infrastructure package uh, that would would be part of what we would see here in Michigan that you think people should know about? Any other highlights in your mind? Well, I think the transit is mm. a huge – there's a huge dollar amount in there. Um, I, I think it's a, it might be a billion dollars. Uh, it's a huge amount of money, and, you know, for local bus authorities – uh, that need to replace buses, have huge maintenance needs, this, again, will be a huge shot in the arm uh, to address that. So I, I think for you know public transit, which has had a rough year and a half because of the pandemic um, and you know, typically struggles uh, to get good voter support, um, this, you know, at least in Metro Detroit, uh, this, this will be you know, a big help. Um, you know, it could mean, you know, but, you know, there's definitely been a movement toward buses that are cleaner burning, that sort of thing, you know, could allow retirement of some older buses for you know, more fuel efficient ones. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of potential there. Yeah, Zach, you know, thinking back and kind of going back to where we sort of started with this conversation, I just think back to sort of the earlier years of the Snyder administration and when he was really starting to make a big push for infrastructure in Michigan. It seemed like there was a lot of messaging from the legislature and from the Snyder administration. Hopefully I'm remembering this correctly, as and I'm sure you'll you'll remember better than me. But it seemed like the messaging was like, look. Uh, we're going to do what we can to try to essentially maintain where we're at with uh, this, uh, with our infrastructure and, and make improvements as we can. But, you know, there was some there was some messaging that like, look, this is not going to be um, the transformative kind of infrastructure package that that we would all like, you know, $1.2 billion at the time would essentially, um, you know, keep things from getting worse. You know, don't think about big things like new investments in, in, in public transit and, and, uh, modern highways, like those kinds of things, the things that would really bring us up to speed with where we should be. I'm wondering, do you think this falls more in that latter category? Um, probably not. Uh, you know, let's, if you just take the, the $7 billion for roads number. So I, you know, it's been a while since there's been an analysis of how much additional revenue for roads it would take to bring, uh, I think state roads, 70% of them into good or fair condition. Uh, but for a while, that figure was at something in the $2 billion area over 10 years. So, you know, just doing the math there, you know, if we were getting, $20 billion for roads, mm-hmm. then we might be talking about what you're talking about. Um, you know, $7 billion is an enormous amount of money, um, but it doesn't seem to fit the models that were out there that would suddenly bring roads into, um, you know, on a wide sweeping basis into, you know, 70% of them into good or fair condition. It's definitely going to make a difference. You know, this is, this is a big chunk of money, but I don't think it's at the level of, you know, say the fuel tax or some other form of revenue is raised to, to draw in another $2 billion annually 
you know, and then that's in perpetuity. That would be for in terms of improving the roads, a more successful model than a one time hit of seven billion. Before we end the, the the show today, we wanted to talk a little bit about the very sad passing recently of Kelly Rossman McKinney. For those that don't know or weren't familiar with Kelly Rossman McKinney, she was a founding member of the public relations firm Truscott Rossman. Uh, she was also the communications director for Attorney General Dana Nessel most recently. She was an absolute influential, I think would be a mild way to put it, a figure in Lansing. Uh, Zach, I know that you knew her pretty well. Um, I guess I'll start with you. I mean, what are your thoughts on on Kelly? Well, I, I wrote in the lead to my story that, that Michigan government and politics lost a part of its heart and soul when she died. And so I think I, I that's how I would put it. Um, you know, for a lot of people who, you know, don't track uh, the, you know, what's going on in Lansing or in, in the news. They may not have heard of Kelly Rossman McKinney, but uh, I can't think of a person who's been, you know, just more influential in more people's lives in the capital community, um, who's had a, a, as big a role on so many issues over such a long period of time. I mean, you're, you're, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to think of someone. I mean, you're talking about you know, maybe Frank Kelly, because he, he was there for so long. But that, those are the kind, you know, the, the reaction to her passing was fit for the death of a Frank Kelly or a Carl Levin. Um, mm. that, and, and there's a reason for that, because she was uh, so beloved. Um, she helped so many people in their careers. She helped so many people with their issues. Um, and you know, she just uh, made it a point to care about, you know, whether it was her client, the reporters who she was, you know, working with on stories, um, even, you know, her opposition to know about and care what was going on in their lives. I- I've never seen anyone else like her. I-, I wanted to include something that um, my former colleague and uh, Shana and my predecessor uh, in Lansing uh, for the Michigan Public Radio Network, Laura Weber Davis, Uh, wrote this about Kelly Rossman McKinney on Facebook uh, this week. She said, as a woman, I can't say I can think of someone more fearless and strong in a toxic male-dominated industry. She gave the rest of us a role model and safe harbor. She leaned into the gale force winds against us all for us. And I don't know how she did it. I want to know how. Who can possibly fill those shoes? Irreplaceable. Um, I just thought that was a really important aspect of, of her sort of impact on the culture, which which reminded me of, as you said, Zach, a lot of people listening might not have any idea who uh, Kelly Rossman McKinney was, but it, it really illustrates to me sort of a broader thing about Lansing that I think a lot of people can think of Lansing as sort of this parade of suits uh, taking orders and, you know, doing what they're told and things like that uh, as sort of like a, a soulless, not sort of human environment. But when it comes to... When you're actually there, when you're actually talking to people, meeting people, getting to know them, um, you know, it is an it is environment filled with many different kinds of human beings. And sure, there are people there that might not make decisions that you agree with or think are suspect. But there are also a lot of people who might not even be public facing who are really there to make a difference and, and really there to um, make the world a, a better place. And they, they believe that and they, they actually have an impact 
Uh, and Kelly Rossman McKinney, to me, is one of those people that did it without even having a an office, a public office, did, did just by her impact on the culture of Lansing alone, but also her her direct work in causes. I mean, it just um, I, I can't think of too many people that um, have had such a big impact on w- the place where our laws are made and our policies are made uh, than, than her um, in terms of uh, someone that, that doesn't really even have a vote <laughs> on, on these things. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's what I think, you know, and, and, and that doesn't even begin to talk about sort of her personal impact on me just as such a funny and, and just cool person. Uh, and, and I think, you know, we're all going to miss her so much. Yeah. Kelly Rossman McKinney was I believe she was uh, either close to retirement or retired uh, from PR when I started. And so I didn't get to know her too well. But then she became she can't sort of came out of retirement to be Dana Nessel's. Uh, Attorney General Dana Nessel's uh, press secretary, and I just—I mean, you every—I echo everything that you guys have said, and and what many of the the wonderful words that people have said uh, on social media and beyond. Honestly, for me, Kelly was always a wonderful reminder that Lansing politics can be fun, that you can have a personality, and that you can be yourself, and you can enjoy the work that you're doing. I just. Every time I saw her, I feel like I always got a little a little nudge in my head going, oh, yeah, yeah, what you're doing is fun. This is this is a good job. Like, this is a good place to be. Um, so I just, even though I didn't have as much experience working with Kelly as I would have loved to, uh, that was something I was always appreciative of about her. Zach Gorchow is the publisher and executive editor of Gong Where Michigan. Uh, Zach, Uh, Thank you so much again for taking the time to join us here on Mishmash on your day off of all things. Thanks again. Really appreciate all your insights. Oh, happy, happy to be with you both. And that's all for Mishmash. I'm Shana Roth. And I'm Jake Neer. Thanks for listening.